Hello, everybody, and welcome to Edging On Podcast, Season 3, Edging On Doug, where we analyze a cinematic masterpiece in 10-minute increments. Today, This season, of course, we're doing Doug's first movie, and this is our fifth episode where we're covering minutes 40 to 50, and Doug is drastically talking all of us into suicide. I feel like this would have been much nicer as like a 10 or 15 minute short, or maybe even just an episode. I don't think this has enough plot for a full 90 minute movie. Yeah, I can completely agree, Adam. I think this would make a perfect, uh, let's say, 23 minute commercial short, you know, with little space for commercials on a TV network. As if life and the genetic lottery hadn't hurt Doug enough already. <laughs> we see him at his lowest in, in this 10 minutes. This is his Joaquin Phoenix Joker origin story. I can't wait to start talking about this 10 minutes. I'm, I'm chomping at the bits. There's some things I gotta say. Adam, before we get into the 10 minutes, I was hoping I could jump in because I made a grave error last 10 minutes. Uh, we, I missed one of my favorite lines in the entire movie, which happened just at the end of the last 10 minutes. And that is when Guy Graham and Patty Mayonnaise are standing outside the, the press event where Doug's gonna reveal the monster to the world. And Guy says that he could never get a story like this in the paper because the mimeograph press at the school is so heavy that it takes him two weeks to make a story. And by that point, it's not news anymore. So if he ever wants to run a story, he has to write the news before it even oh, happens. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he said he has to figure out the news about two weeks before it comes. That's yeah, some good news. <laughs> Which Patty responds, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> God damn it, guy, that's such a lame plot contrivance. Hey, shut up, baby. You want to go trade candies with me and the other upperclassmen? Uh-uh, wrong. Starting out this 10-minute chunk, Doug walks through the sea of reporters and trips over a camera XLR cable, unplugging it and thus deflating the camera. Rather, Alexis mentioned this, and I was so happy to actually see it because it's even better than I imagined. <laughs> I I don't I didn't know that I needed to see this, but I've never like laughed so hard from such a stupid joke. It I I remember it, but it caught me by surprise. Just the way he glares at him as he starts reinflating the camera, <laughs> just I, blowing I, it back up. <laughs> I, I love the logistics of this this one joke. So either Bill Bluff bought this man an inflatable camera, or he already had an inflatable camera lying around. <laughs> I'm not sure which is funnier. Just Bill Bluff going, alright, alright, these kids are too stupid to know the difference between an inflatable and a real, uh, real camcorder. Why even stop at the cameras? Why not make the entire van an inflatable too at that point? <laughs> Inflatable cameras, you guys. They're the future. The, the inflatable, I have to admit, the inflatable camera joke unfortunately put me in a fugue state from which I emerged at RoboCrusher. Uh, I don't remember anything between those two parts. Like, RoboCrusher snapped me back out of it. I was like, what, what's happening again? The best part of that whole... The, the best part of that whole camera joke, though, is the fact that Doug barely even reacts to the inflatable camera. Yeah, it's just there. <laughs> he also it's, does not it's... react nearly enough to the guns in the back of one of the vans. Yeah. <laughs> 
They were going to straight up shoot that monster. They were going to assassinate that monster in a stage. Can we talk about that for a second? They were going to shoot it on Mayor Tippy's lawn. Yeah. In front of kids. Does Bill Bluff work for the Cointel Pro? <laughs> Bill Buff Bluff works for the CIA. Nah, we, we all know that Bill Bluff's business does one thing and one thing alone. They manufacture inflatable cameras. <laughs> and inflatable That's camera accessories. That's so rich. <laughs> you gotta buy the XLR cords separate, though. <laughs> That's how they really get you. I was, I, I was really confused. Doug doesn't even mention the fact that the guys have fake equipment to anyone. He just... It's it's really admirable though. He goes to the podium and has a change of heart about revealing the monster, even knowing what it'll do to his reputation. So give him props to that. As stupid as he is, he's got a conscience. Yeah, he goes up on stage and he you know he says, "We got to call off the the press conference because these guys are gonna catch Herman Melville and put him in a cage and probably kill him." He's like, "Come on, guys! Can't you see? The, can't you see the inflatable cameras, the trench coats, the laser guns in the back of the vans? I don't think this is right, you guys." There's not a single real reporter. No, you figured there'd be at least one, right? The the press in in Bluffton is is just all owned, <laughs> all owned by Bill Bluff. Yeah, Bluff Vegas is a town of corruption. Yeah. <laughs> I'm personally fond of Bluff Orleans myself. <laughs> I like New Bluff City. New Bluff City's but, a good one too. But anyway, what what happened with the Robo Crusher? Is that too much farther ahead? It's no, not, that just kind of jumps in there, right? Like oh, in the middle real, of the scene. Yeah, the crowd. A, a quick a quick bit, real quick. All of the news trucks. I I think this is kind of funny. I'll defend this joke. All the news trucks. One of them is labeled big news. The other is labeled bigger news, and the other is labeled <laughs> biggest news. That gave me a little chuckle. I oh yeah, that's, that's pretty that. funny. <laughs> it's a good off in the 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 distance bit. Yeah, it's a good thing Doug's first movie put its only funny joke in the background. Yeah, that's usually how most kids' movies do it, though. Like, the stuff that uh, turns out to be actually funny is, like, Afterthought or... But the transition from this scene to the scene that saved Sam's life uh, is all the reporters crowding Doug. Again, these are all fake reporters, but they start chasing Doug and asking him questions like they're trying to get the scoop, so... Kudos, you guys. You're really in character. They're, yeah, they're deep into it. But, uh, Sam. Yeah, I forgot about the Robo Crusher. That was one of the other things that was lost in the past week. Uh, I forgot that the Robo Crusher was even in the planning stages in the first place. And then, uh, as I, I also just really enjoyed how upset Roger is that it's so small when in fact it is a human-sized bipedal robot with what appear to be guns on it. <laughs> Which in and of itself is a feat alone. It's dinky. <laughs> what happens? This thing looks like this thing looks like a, like the next Terminator model, and Roger's like, ugh, ugh, I don't want what a manlet. It was supposed to be nine feet tall. What what do the nerds do to resolve that issue, Sam? They shrink Roger so that it is bigger in relation to now small Roger. Instead of making the robot bigger, it's a real honey I shrunk the Roger kind of situation. <laughs> they have an actual fucking shrink ray. They, yeah, they couldn't be they, bothered they, to they, make 
They couldn't be bothered to make right. a bigger robot, but they spent all that time inventing a shrink ray. But they must have already had Honestly, it on hand. Honestly, the shrink ray is the first thing you want to invent because then you can save materials for everything else. You just make it bigger. Or does that affect the structural it, integrity? Yeah, That's like, the other like, question. Uh, cropping Maybe. pixels like you lose a few pixels when you make a big pile of gold a little bigger you lose a couple shekels yeah maybe maybe it only goes down which also implies that when they made roger bigger again he got dumber <laughs> wait how did how did he get bigger when when told to change him back what they, how did he get bigger they shrunk him down and he said make me make me bigger and they're like can we do that he looked like a wallpaper that you put in Microsoft Paint and <laughs> resize real quick. I'm just gonna dump this in Photoshop. Yeah, they grabbed the corner of Roger and then they just like dragged it down to stretch him out again. <laughs> I love Robocrusher so much, guys. I, you know what? It's I'm gonna come out and say this. I genuinely love the voice they gave Robocrusher. Oh yeah, it's perfect. Let's I get do you too. out of this beastly outfit and get you into something more presentable. You should probably explain uh, why Robo Crusher is speaking like that. <laughs> we don't know though. We we don't. But Robo Crusher <laughs> basically becomes like Roger's new mom. The, the assumption is that I that I gathered is that it's a non-binary robot. And that and a few other instances we'll see in the future just go to show this is the most left-leaning movie we've covered so far on this podcast. <laughs> this is like the antithesis of multiplicity. <laughs> oh, actually, I do remember you guys. Uh, last last episode, uh, we, we commented on the part where Roger gave plans to the nerds and he said, Make sure you install mommy girlfriend software. Oh, that's make right. Sure, yeah, make sure you that install egg. retractable quivering pussy. <laughs> when they when 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 Roger told them to install mommy milkers, they didn't like quite get the meme, and and so they just kind of went full on like mother mode with it. They haven't shown the breasts yet, but they're there. Yeah, yeah. Too true. <laughs> I the, love the Robo, Robo Crusher. Crusher. The Robo Crusher speaks. Like a bad Doug actor trying to do a Julia Child impression. Can you do it again, Adam? You're really good at it. <laughs> Let's get you out of this beastly outfit. I clipped so hard. And into something more presentable. But with like a nice robot filter over yeah, it too to really sell the it's effect. Got a nice little fuzz to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roger walks into his room. He. Uh, Presumably, he brought the Robo Crusher into his house. Yeah, it's now dressed as like a nanny. Yeah, it looks like Rosie from the Jetsons. It's got apron and the the weird little thing, the the lacy tiara. Unless I'm remembering Robo- it wrong. Robo Crusher tucks Roger into bed and sings good night songs to him. You know what? It seems stupid, but I would. There's something so comforting about being cradled by a larger life form. Ooh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to introduce <laughs> a new game. All right. It's called Two Lies and a Truth About Doug. Wow. We're each going to say a fact about this movie, and uh, the audience has to guess <laughs> which one is a lie. <laughs> okay. So. Okay, I got okay. mine. You have one, Sam? I'll, uh, 
No, I, I spent the whole time thinking of the game, not of an answer. <laughs> All right, Rue, would you like to go first? Certainly. Uh, I guess my the uh, my statement would be that this ten minutes ends with Pork Chop Doug's dog getting muzzled and thrown into the back of one of the news vans to get sent presumably to the Pound or Bluff Manor. <laughs> The original prototype animation model of Doug was actually stolen from Nickelodeon headquarters and they had to try and draw him from scratch. Robocrusher was based on the scrapped original design for the Terminator. James Cameron gave his official blessing for the Robocrusher design. <laughs> Blue boys do do it better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> that stunk. Alright, I guess we must just get back into it, I guess. Yeah, it's your best where you were. Uh, uh, we're <clears throat> after I, I love at the shrink ray scene the fits on the nerds. They're all dressed hmm. like they went to Orville Wright's garage sale <laughs> and picked out their outfits from that, and I am living for it. Ain't you ever seen a dork before? That's how the dorks dress, man. <laughs> Especially that fish tie. As we said before, that's that's accurate. Mm-hmm. Every nerd has a fish tie. Yeah, and the three of us, whenever we meet up, we combine all our fish ties. We make one giant fish. So after Rogers lulled to sleep by Robo Crusher, we <laughs> yes. see we see Mister Bluff strapped to the bed. Strapped to the bed. We see Mr. Bluff having dinner, talking out loud to nobody else except his daughter, announcing his evil plan. We're gonna wait for them to leave the house, and then we strike. And then he acts surprised when his daughter hears his plan that he says out loud to no one else. Uh, She eats like a toddler, and it really bothered me. Yeah, that's pretty gross. She just has like a splat of food around her mouth the entire scene. Well, you can't control yourself when it's Bluff's famous leftover meatloaf. Uh, it's it's dry-aged and very expensive. Hi, <laughs> do you like meatloaf? But they care with... Meatloaf. Fuck. Meatloaf. <laughs> but more expensive. You've had regular meatloaf, but you've never had meatloaf that's been aged, dry-aged, and coagulated. Mr. Bl- <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Dink's Refrigerator. <laughs> Right behind the watermelon. That's what, that's what <laughs> gives it that signature leftover flavor you know and love. And that's what makes it so expensive. Alba <laughs> thinks meatloaf's irradiated to perfection. <laughs> Inside everyone is a free razor. <laughs> but after the Bluff family dinner, we go uh, to back to Mayor Tippy's house where uh, they reconcile the fact that they didn't show the monster in an effort to save him. And Mayor Tippy says that they should go ahead and bust down on some of that Bud's famous leftover meatloaf. Mm. And? And what's so famous about it? As I said, it's dry-aged. Most people have meatloaf fresh. 
there's like talk of the, the like people talk about like making uh, leftover meatloaf sandwiches is like a nice thing. What people don't realize is that meatloaf is not best eaten fresh. It's best eaten dry aged in Mr. Dink's refrigerator right behind the sliced watermelon that his wife keeps in there. Especially with how jiggly it was at the dinner. Oh, also, didn't the monster eat all of the meatloaf? Yes, he picked it up like a brick and shoved it down his face. Unless they just had it sitting on a serving plate at the table, that monster ate all that jiggly meatloaf. That monster did indeed eat all that jiggly meatloaf. It wiggled all the way down to his little monster colon. Oh. And then he, and then it did the monster mash in his tummy. <laughs> Rat for daddy. Shock the body, body. Shock the body, body, body. But but my thing is, is Bud's meatloaf famous, or is the leftover meatloaf famous? I know that Sam would suggest that the dry aging is what makes it famous. Yeah, because he said it's his famous leftover meatloaf. He didn't say my my famous meatloaf leftovers of my famous meatloaf. He said it's my famous leftover meatloaf. Or. Is it just the legend that follows the meatloaf that is that is legendary, famous? No, 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 no. It's mine because <laughs> that would be <laughs> the leftover famous meatloaf. But this is the famous leftover meatloaf, Adam. It's very cut and dry. There's no discussion here. I think it's famous just because, like, how everyone has just one Tupperware container full of God knows what sitting in their fridge until it just bubbles over and expires and molds i think i would like to think that that's what she's referring to the fact that it's left over and never touched again adam i think this is pretty cut and dry much like bud's famous (laughs) leftover meatloaf where (laughs) you take that back fucker his meatloaf is juicy and delicious (laughs) did you not see the jiggle that is some well it's better in the fridge now Dude, that meatloaf is a mind of its own. It was trying to walk away when the monster grabbed it. It wasn't jiggling. But my my thing is, who made this meat leftover meatloaf famous? I'm willing to accept Sam's conclusion that the leftover meatloaf is famous, not the meatloaf itself. So did Mayor Tippy and Bud have a dinner party where they served their guest leftover meatloaf? And then their guests just happen to be like, wow, that's better than regular meatloaf. Okay, We're going to tell everybody about this. I have I like one more th- theory that I'm going to push, and then I think it's about time we got off the meatloaf. Uh. Maybe it's just, maybe we're overthinking it, and it's just like a colloquialism. Like, ah, that's my famous peanut butter and jelly. You know, like suburban white people do. Maybe not okay. necessarily peanut butter and jelly. Maybe that's not a nice example. <clears throat> okay, Occam, but I'm going to go ahead and suggest that perhaps maybe Mr. Dink went on... Uh, <laughs> went on Lions Den and successfully pitched his famous his his leftover meatloaf. It became world famous. Maybe he has restaurants. That's where their money comes from. That's how they can afford that big pink house. It's <laughs> that's how we can afford this nuclear bomb shelter that once again the boys don't use to hide the monster. That's where that, that's where uh, Bud keeps his uh, <laughs> leftover meatloaf that's, as that's it dry ages. That's where the recipe ages. is. That's what the yeah, whole bunk is for. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to. He's got to keep it locked up because people are trying to steal it before it's fully dry aged and reached its prime. See that that's what was up with the but, uh, the Mister Bluff mercenaries. They were there for the meatloaf recipe, but they say, they saw a monster and went, "Oh shit, we got to get that now." And that's that's the motto of the. That's actually was the tagline of the movie: "Come for the meatloaf, stay for the monster." <laughs> <laughs> I, I can respect I tell you what, get behind that. 
I tell you what, when I get a single slice of Bud's leftover meatloaf, I myself become something of a monster. Oh. Alright, here we are, about five minutes in of talking about meatloaf. <laughs> let's let's talk a little more. I'm not more. done. Because, uh, <laughs> Sam, I think it was Adam, actually, that put forth that Bud has to keep his ref- leftover meatloaf recipe inside of the nuclear bunker, but that's not true at all. We all know that he keeps it in his family album. In, like all good things, the meatloaf talk must come to an end when you reference the family <laughs> album joke. Oh, everybody's loving it, you know. All good things come to an end when you we reference have, the family album joke. We have gotten several emails about how much people love the family album joke and they want more of it. They just there can't get go. enough of it. <laughs> just like we much can't like get the enough of Bud's famous <laughs> 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 That's why we're rebranding as the Meatloaf Podcast. Edging on Meatloaf. <laughs> so Mr. Bluff's mercenaries wait until Doug and uh, Doug and all of his family have left for work or school, and they break into Doug's house, and they see the the scuba scuba suit, and they automatically assume the monsters inside it, having never seen the monster in it or even seen it before. A correct assumption, though, because that was where the monster was. It, it, absolutely, but how the fuck would they know that? Why would they assume he's just in a scuba suit? They got good intel. Because he's a monster. Yeah. Porkchop <laughs> squealing. No, Judy Funny is squealing. She looks like one gonna... of those fucking bourgeoisie <laughs> things. All right. Welcome I just got to say, the... the, the uh, the scene of Doug walking down the street being followed by FBI everywhere he goes is a really good meme template because it just looks like the FBI found Doug's search history. <laughs> I, I am Patty glad you Manny's, said something, Sam. Patty Mayonnaise foot. <laughs> Patty Mayonnaise nude reel. <laughs> Patty Mayonnaise nude reel. Please don't tell my mom, please. <laughs> How to tell my blue friend that I don't like his laugh. <laughs> How to tell How blue to friend I'm jealous right. from his eyeballs. <laughs> has, he I, hasn't I'm done a single said... laugh yet, has he? No, I don't think he has. Did they fully cut that from the Disney version of the show? They must have. They wanted Doug to be just a solely relatable character. Mm. They removed all humanity from him. He just became Took a deus ex machina for the plot of this fucking movie. The Doug, honkless Disney Doug. This is a first for me. I've never seen the main character be, be themselves a deus ex machina. <laughs> and good on Disney. Disney's the company that knows what everyone wants, whether they know it or not. Adam, you've seen Captain Marvel. Oh, man, that movie's stinky. But I'm glad you brought up this scene in general, Sam, because I think this is one of the more funny scenes in Doug, and that's because mm. of how fully it leads into the absurdism. As he's like walking down the street, there's an ice cream van driving by him, and there's eyes on the ice cream cones, which are cameras that are following him back and forth. The postman is walking behind him with a walkie-talkie. There's little, there's ages dressed like little girls on tricycles. I don't think they're affiliated with Bill Bluff. I think they just like doing <laughs> It's our lifestyle. Don't judge us. But yes, aside from them, everybody that Doug passes is is spying on Doug, wearing an earpiece and sunglasses. There's this little uh, 
bit and close-up shot where you see like a collage of all the people following him and he's like i couldn't help but feel like someone was watching me doug is an idiot <laughs> doug is so stupid guys <laughs> you know i thought it was funny when the camera farted and let all its air out but now i'm starting to think maybe there's more to this pollution conspiracy than originally uh, originally thought Doug has such bad anxiety that even when a van with two cameras fo- is following and poking out of it, he's going, it's probably nothing. No <laughs> one's following me. <laughs> I, I want to talk about where the hell the monster's at. If he's not with Doug and he's not in Doug's house, where is Herman Melville? Where in the world is Herman Melville? Herman Melville. Oh, I think you never mean, said Melville. We never said what happens with the diving suit. Uh, the agents surround the diving suit, and yeah, it's just it's, it's pork chop. Doug's dog. He's in, in the diving suit. It's very funny. Why did the Everybody dog need laughs. to be in the diving suit? Did they plant him there? Did did pork chop just get in the diving suit? What was the? Was it just for a little joke? I Wait, don't hold know. on. Hold on. Stop asking questions, Adam. You realize I can just add that in. Yeah, but they were right beside me. Alright. I thought it was a little bit funny. <laughs> I guess, I guess, I guess. I've the got an automaton right beside me. And just hear me coming around here going... Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you did. I wish you did. <laughs> Some people call me Maurice. <laughs> <laughs> So, the monster's at school. The monster? I think you mean no new ninety. <laughs> Which, honestly, the principal accepts immediately. And honestly, good on him, because it's not too much stranger than most names that we have in this universe. The, and most people. The principal's first line is, well, as mayor, I mean principal. This is... <laughs> yep, that's Willie White's dad. Yeah. <laughs> Pointless to the movie. If you don't watch the show, you don't get it. That is stupid. It it makes me really mad. Because before you told me that he was the mayor originally, before Tippy Dink, I just thought mm. it was a stupid line. I didn't get it. And now I'm just mad me. that they alienated me for so many years. <laughs> Adam wanted to be a hardcore Doug fan, but this barrier to entry was just too high. Yeah, you have to have so much Doug lore. You have to watch all of Doug 0079 before you even start Zeta Doug. You gotta Sam, play this, uh, Doug's this is the big third game. Time you've... Before you, you gotta understand. play Doug's big game, guys. <laughs> if you'd like to watch us play Doug's big game, you can email us at edgingpodcast at gmail dot com. If you'd like to watch us count to ten thousand on our Roger abacuses that each one of us owns, email us at dougpodcastemail dot com email. Yeah, you almost got it. <laughs> I'll get it one of these days, brother. But the boys decide the best course of action to hide the monster from Bluff's goons is to dress it up in clothes and a wig and take it to school pretending it's an exchange student. Counterpoint. Shrinkway technology exists in this universe. <laughs> She does not look all out of, they're like, dressed as uh, this, a student, the monster does not look all that out of place. 
You know what? I can but, get behind but, but that. But the monster has blue skin. So does Skeeter. But 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 the monster has gills. So does Skeeter. Hey there, Mr. Principal. Um, this is my cousin. She's blue. No questions asked. Ha ha ha. They introduce her as Hermananu Niney. Yeah. To which, which Principal White responds, "Well, welcome, you strange foreign person." Nineties. Well, first uh, they say Principal White in response to his question or whatever, and he goes, Principal White? Now why does that sound so familiar? Because adults are stupid. <laughs> Kids, parents don't get you. Mayors, I'm, I mean principals, don't get you. <laughs> I'm glad that he has the uh, Southern lawyer voice. <laughs> you give a Southern accent to the most despicable cartoon character and they're instantly charming. Now, boys, I'll tell you, I know that's a monster you got there in that wig and that dress, but I'm going to let you pass. I want to see what happens. She's a diversity student. <laughs> we need more monsters in this school to get a grant. Oh, on that, piggybacking off that topic, so far in just this ten-minute chunk, we've had a non-binary robot, a cross-dressing monster, and a soy boy protagonist. This is a diverse film with a lot to say about society. <laughs> Thank you. Sam, how does the school react to the giant monster wearing a dress and a wig? Everybody falls in love with the monster. Well, to be fair, this is a liberal arts school, so if they point out the differences, then they will get fired. There's a bunch yeah. of scenes of the monster drinking paint and then sneezing it onto a canvas, eating food at the cafeteria with with, with, with its hands, just like shuffling it into their mouth. And then the, the monster gets a desk full of uh, Valentine's Day cards. Everybody loves the monster. Everyone sees that giant-ass dumper on that big, tall, <laughs> football-playing woman. They all want a piece. They're all giving her Valentine's cards. Everyone says she's cute. and They fall for it, man. Those fuckers, they got dug on the highest level. <laughs> they got How did you fall for that? <laughs> Bluffington, you got dugged. BB, wait, BB Bluff High School kids. How did you fall for that, you fucking goobers? And by extension, I think. And, and by extension, how did you fall for that, viewer? You again got dugged. Just Did by it? hearing the dugging, you got dugged yourself. You keep getting dugged on, listener. Dear you listener, you've got to stop dugged. letting us dug you like this. <laughs> That's the third rule of dugging. What are the other rules? We're not going to tell you until they come up. <laughs> <laughs> That's something for the finale episode. We'll cover, we'll cover all the rules of dugging. Mm -hmm. We'll tell you all about how but to dug and get dugged, and then we'll explain to you how you've already been dugged without realizing how it. And the secret method of de-dugging yourself. How the system dugs us all. Twelve simple tricks, steps to success. For two easy payments of nineteen ninety nine, send us your credit card information and we will personally de-dug you. I personally think that everybody's so thirsty for this monster because they understand Big Lady is in. <laughs> it's true, this, this movie was ahead of its time. <clears throat> In so many ways, isn't it crazy? At least in this ten-minute chunk, I find it fascinating. Like, sociologists should, like, study this movie for being so progressive and ahead of its time and accepting, really. Unfortunately, oh. this monster's, uh, 
the, all you, everyone's affections for this monster are unsustain, unsustainable in the long run for Doug. <laughs> you know how uh, the stakes for not telling about the monster, acting like they made it up, were addressed? Um, for two guys that are the laughing stock of the entire city, they're sure doing all right. They seem like they're just going by their lives on the day-to-day basis. So there's no actual stakes to that. Yeah, well, there are stakes, Adam, because Skeeter tries to give BB Bluff a Valentine that's shaped like his head, and she says, I don't accept Valentines from liars. No, lying oh, yeah. liar lie faces. Oh, yes, you're right. But I- he recovered. <laughs> There's no. That, that scene alone is like 12 seconds. I'm not kidding. It's 12 seconds, and it has no weight. That but was an then, afterthought. Adam- but Adam, the most more important one is Doug and Patty's relationship. Uh, Destroyed by this. This is just hard to watch. But that again, that was like a 30-second conversation they have. The, everyone else seems to be fine. Like they seem to be just going like through life like a normal day thing. And no one if they showed like a, Their a children, bit of like them being for like, real. jeered at or any just something. Put some effort into it. Give it some stakes or some weight for a message about putting uh, other people before your own how people perceive you. Come on, go for it. Do something interesting. It makes me angry. Adam wants perjury charges against Doug and Skeeter. I'm here to pursue mm. charges of perjury against Doug and Skeeter Van... I can't remember Doug's last name. Doug... Doug... Funny. Doug Funny. Funny. Doug Funny. <laughs> funny so funny. Doug. He make me low until I can't <laughs> low no more. Low to the flow till you can't no more. I really fucking hate Doug. <laughs> Do either of you know why Patty was <sighs> upset that she didn't get a valentine from Doug? Even because Doug's hanging out with the monster, and the monster's getting all the attention. It was implied. She, I, I thought I, it seemed that it was implied that she's she's jealous of the attention the monster is getting. <laughs> like the, the, she's she's jealous of Doug hanging out with the monster, who is getting all the attention. But why? Patty, you were supposed to be above this. She's she's doing the same thing with Guy Graham, upperclassman who heads up the Dinky Dance. Bang. Yeah, she she proceeds to do the exact same thing as retaliation. <laughs> yeah, women. It's twenty. It's 1996? I want to say 98. Let's Throw the man check. just a crumb of coochie. What year did Doug's first movie come out? <laughs> no. 1999. You were yeah, correct. Yeah, which one, Adam? Which one was? <laughs> she said uh, which one. Sorry, I was... Which one Doug's first movie. Dude, you do one Doug's first movie, you don't get a second chance. You do it right. There's no second chances. We do it right the first time. We do it right the first time. That was a horrible Patty accident. Mayonnaise, get to the chopper. Oh, is that what the accent I was doing? I thought that was yeah. Jamaican. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, Jesus. Yes, Patty and, and Guy Cram walk out arm in arm to go to, go to Funky Town together. I'm glad it's catching on. <sighs> Fucking Funky Town. I, and I, I really love that very sh- it's almost immediately after this Doug says and th- he, he just recaps all the terrible things that have happened and says and things haven't even started to get bad yet and, and that one line alone 
just made me want to die. The idea that it gets worse than that. What? <laughs> Doug. Oh, Sam. It really doesn't... It, it really doesn't get much worse than this in the rest of the movie, <laughs> so I don't know what the hell he's talking about. It it does for the monster, not so much for them. He's a dramatic baby. They all stink. Ugh. <laughs> Doug is like one of the worst cartoon protagonists ever, and, and not because he's like an asshole or anything, just because he's such a whiny, nothing little dummy boy. And this is our daily, uh, every episode, weekly reminder that Doug is based off a real person. <laughs> yeah. I, where do you get the stones to make a semi-autobiographical... Where do you get the stones to make a semi-autobiographical... <laughs> where do you get the stones to make a semi-autobiographical TV cartoon? Thank you for your applause, you dumb bastard. About I was genuinely proud. Okay, <laughs> about uh, your own life and portray yourself in such a creepy, oblivious, sadistic manner, and make it seem like everything else is everyone's fault except for yours. I've got a theory. This is this is an actual theory. I think that probably when the show was in production it was a lot more closely based on his life, like his pitches for it probably, and his kind of pre-production idea for what the show should be was probably more closely based on his life. But then all the producers said, it's not funny enough, make him more pathetic. <laughs> it's not funny enough, make a fat girl go to fat camp because she didn't get to date Doug. <laughs> it's not funny enough, name the, last ca- name the character funny. <laughs> it's not funny, we need Herman Melville as a monster. Get on it! Give them all silly names. Here's our random name generator. It's a dictionary we put in a blender. Here's Moo Sleech. (laughs) Forgot about Sleech already. (laughs) I can't wait for the release of the remake of Halo Sleech. Starring uh, Willy Butsevich or whatever his name was. What was that asshole's name? <laughs> Butsevich. Asshole. Billy ah. Butsevich. Is it Larry no, Butsevich? Larry Butsevich. Oh. Larry Butsevich. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Can we get 10 points for Sam for this episode? Alright, brings my score up to 10 this season. <laughs> Keep track of this, everybody. This is going to come very. This is going to be very important. Get it tattooed on your skin. That's how important it's going to be. Come back to the season finale when we tally up the points and see who comes out on top. And who's this episode, who's this season's big loser? <laughs> it's Sal Volcano again. <laughs> Despite not being on the show, Sal Volcano is this episode is this season's big loser. And now he <laughs> He has to watch Doug's first movie and try not to get an erection. He has to plug the hole in the dam with his little finger. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's fucking confusing. <laughs> Do you think Sal Volcano is the only person that can stop Patty Mayonnaise's spree of murder? Well, we'll find out tonight if he's the biggest loser. You think he'd be on the show? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> Sal Volcano, if you're if you're watching this, I'm gonna we'll tweet this episode at you. Come on the show. Come on, Sam. Don't get everybody's hopes up. Watch Doug with us. 
he's going to be on. He already confirmed that he's going to be the star of the next season, where we're going to switch over to a uh, Impractical Jokers React show. <laughs> Episode, or season four coming soon. Be on the lookout. That's right. Behind the Jokers is coming to podcast stations near you, and we're the hosts. The the last line in this one was Doug saying. <laughs> Things, things haven't, haven't even started, started to get, to get bad, bad yet which yeah. is just tragic <laughs> it is tragic especially as they camp in a, beside the polluted lake i i can't think of a more depressing way we could have ended this week's episode well on the bright Tur- side we should be done in another two episodes two i was thinking it was three two or three i think it's like an hour 15 if i remember correctly and of course the special season finale Yes, oh, where we yes. go inside the mind of Doug. Each of oh, us no. will write out their own Quail Man-style fantasies. I can't wait until uh, we do th- our Netflix special about uh, the serial killer documentary of Doug Funny. Alright, thank you very much for joining us, everybody. This has been a delight, thanks to you. Don't worry, we're going to make it through Doug. We're not giving up for this is the hill we have chosen to die upon. Nothing can stop the Doug. The Dugs started flowing. And the Dugs red glare, bunch of Dugs in the air. Gave proof through the night, Patty Mayonnaise was there. Oh, say does that star-spangled quail man yet wave. Over New Bluff City. And Roger... Was also there. (laughs) (laughs) Play ball. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. I've been Drew. I've been Sam. And I've been Adam. And you got dugged a little earlier in the episode. Yeah. But this is your double dugging. You just got double dugged. This is your second dose of Doug today. You've got to be careful because you're exceeding your doctor's daily recommended amount. If you, if You're you, gonna you, overdub. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, go away. That was Edging on Doug. New episodes released every Friday. Tune in next week to hear us continue to talk about Doug's first movie in 10 minute increments. Be sure to like and follow to avoid being dugged. The Edging on Podcast is a podcast started by Sam featuring Drew and Adam. Original music created by Sam, featuring outro theme, family album by Waverider.